Hello everyone, my name's Dave. I'm one of the leaders of Mosaic Church in Leeds. Um, in this video, we're going to remember the significance of Good Friday together. Um, whether you're a part of Mosaic Church or whether somebody's just sent this video uh, to you to watch today, Good Friday gives us a moment to pause and slow down and reflect on where we find God in the midst of everything that's going on at the moment. Good Friday reminds us uh, there is a God in heaven who knows about isolation and who knows about pain. But there is also God in heaven who brings hope into hopeless situations and who brings light into the darkness. Uh, welcome to my study, or uh, as it's known now, my makeshift uh, recording studio. Uh, I hope that wherever you're watching this you are as comfortable as you can be. Um, I'd really encourage you to just cut out anything that's going to distract you uh, for this kind of next 20 minutes or so. Maybe turn off your phone and um, allow God to meet with you in these moments. Make yourself aware of God's presence that is with you at this time. We're going to do um, three different things in our uh, time together. We're going to remember the story of what happened on that first Good Friday almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, I'm going to share just a couple of thoughts on the significance of Good Friday for us today. And then lastly, I'm going to lead us through uh, taking communion together. Um, for communion, uh, I'm going to be using some bread and I've got some uh, grape juice in here. Uh, you might want to have something similar where you are so that you can participate in that uh, when the time comes. Um, to begin with, uh, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to pray uh, the Lord's Prayer together. And these words might be really familiar to you or they might be words that you've not prayed for a while. And so they're going to appear on your screen and I would really encourage you to pray them out loud, say them out loud with me as I pray them. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes and let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let's start by reminding ourselves of the story of the first Good Friday. And um, it's a story about Jesus Christ and Jesus was the son of God. Jesus was God come to be with us in the flesh. One theologian described it as Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus had been ministering to people for three years. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been reaching out to those that society rejected. He'd been including the excluded. He'd been teaching people about what the kingdom of God looks like. And lots of people had been following Jesus. Lots of people had had their lives changed by meeting with Jesus. 
Jesus wasn't just a good guy, wasn't just a moral teacher, wasn't just an impressive leader, although he's all three of those things. Jesus was God himself come to us to reveal to us what this world is meant to look like, what this world is meant to be like, and what we are meant to be like, what our relationship with God is meant to look like. But not everyone was impressed by Jesus. Some people saw him as a threat. The political leaders of the day told the people that they should worship Caesar, the Roman emperor. They said, Caesar is Lord. And Jesus came along and said, no, you should worship God alone. The religious leaders of the day wanted everybody to buy into the, the religious institutions of that time. They wanted people to buy into the temple system because they profited off people doing that. And Jesus said, do you know what? God's less concerned with your external religious performance than he is concerned with the state of your heart. Do you know that God loves you? And do you love God and other people in return? Now, the religious leaders of the day wanted Jesus gone. So they decided to set him up. They decided to accuse him of things he hadn't done. They were going to put together a rigged trial. They were going to find him guilty and they were going to get rid of him. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verses 59 and 60, it says this, and the word should be on your screen for you. The chief priests and the, so the whole Sanhedrin, that's the religious leaders of the time, they were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they might put him to death. But they did not find any. Though many false witnesses came forward. That didn't stop them though. They had decided Jesus was guilty and so they brought him before the political leader of the day, a guy called Pontius Pilate. And Pilate questioned Jesus. And Luke tells us in his gospel what Pilate found out when he questioned him. In Luke 23, starting at verse 13, it said, Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Jesus was innocent. But that didn't stop the people getting what they wanted. Jesus's trial happened at uh, during a religious festival and there was a custom during that time that a prisoner would be released to the people, whichever prisoner they asked for. So Pilate asked them, shall I release to you Jesus, who has been shown to be innocent, or another man called Barabbas, who's guilty of murder? And Matthew recounts the scene for us in chapter 27 of his gospel. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. So Pilate handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. They twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head 
to mock him as a fake king. They spat on him and they hit him. Then they led him out of the city and they forced him to carry his own cross until he could carry it no further. They took him to a hill outside the city and nailed him to the cross. Jesus hung on the cross from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. And Mark writes in his gospel in chapter 15, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sebechthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Jesus breathed his last and he died. Jesus died in great pain and he died all alone. An innocent man, deserted by his closest friends, the people who had followed him during his ministry. Only a few of the women who had been with him watched on, but from a distance. Now you might be wondering, given the story, why Christians call today Good Friday? Well, the phrase was originally Holy Friday. If we say we've had a good day, we might say we might mean it was enjoyable or pleasurable. Well, the day Jesus died wasn't good in that sense, but it was a holy day. God was doing something for us on that day, something that would transform the whole world and transform our hearts as well. I think there are two things that really stand out to me as I reflect on Good Friday this year. Two things that I think are so helpful for us in this season. Firstly, that Jesus suffers with us. And secondly, that Jesus died to rescue us. You know, at this time, something that coronavirus is making so clear to us is the suffering that is happening all around us. Whether it's the people who are sick with the virus, those in hospital fighting for their lives, or their friends and family who are just really worried about whether they're going to have strength to pull through or not. Or whether it's people stuck at home struggling with anxiety or depression or loneliness. You know, it feels like we're keenly aware of the suffering that our nation is going through. Maybe, maybe you're feeling that today. Maybe there's hardship and difficulty that you're going through. You know, in a season like this, it's normal to ask, where is God in the midst of this? You know, the story of Good Friday shows us that the God of the Bible is not distant or detached or far off at a time of suffering like this. He's not a God who stands away and ignores the situation. God came to us in the person of Jesus. He lived as we live. He suffered as we suffer. Jesus knows the troubles that we face today. The God of the Bible knows what it is to go through pain, loneliness and isolation. Which means we can come to that God today in our weakness, in our brokenness, with our pain, with our hardship. God doesn't ask us to get everything together, to be strong or to feel particularly good or particularly holy. He met us in our brokenness and our weakness in the person of Jesus. And he still meets us in that place today. 
whatever you're faced with today, whatever difficulty or hardship or suffering you're going through, you can take some time today to talk to God about it. You can be really honest with him about what you're going through. He empathizes with our struggle and our difficulty. And he loves to bring us his comfort by his Holy Spirit. But Jesus's death doesn't just show us. It doesn't only show us that God knows what it's like to suffer. You know, Jesus died for a reason. Jesus's death had a purpose. It was actually the reason he came to earth. Jesus knew that he was going to be killed but he also knew that death wasn't going to be the end for him. He knew that he was going to be raised from the dead after three days. He was going to be resurrected from the dead. But that makes us ask, why was dying his mission? Why did Jesus need to die? Strange as it may sound, Jesus died in order to rescue us. You know, the one thing that we all face in life the 100% certainty is that we will face death. We can't avoid it. We can't get around it. But you know, God made humanity to live, not to die. We were meant to receive life from him, not death. The reason death is in the world is because of sin. Now, sin is one of those words that it's got a lot of baggage attached to it. I imagine when I said the word sin, then it conjures up lots of ideas or images for you in your mind. You know, there isn't one word for sin in the Bible. There's actually 16 different words, at least 16 different words across two different languages. But sin is this kind of catch-all word that refers to the brokenness that's out there in the world, but also the brokenness that we feel in our own hearts, that we see in our own actions, in our own lives. So sin can refer to the systems of injustice that allow the rich to get richer and the poor to stay poor, or the wicked to get away with the things that they get away with while the just suffer unjustly. But it also refers to the, the moments, the times in our lives where we recognise that we acted selfishly or we spoke harshly or we were cruel to another person. It also refers to our turning away from God and focusing on other things. Sin is really the word that describes a world that isn't focused on God, but that's focused on anything but God. A world turned away, a people turned away from God. You and I turned away from God. Death is the result of sin because death is the result of turning away from God, who's the giver of life. Jesus died on Good Friday in our place. He entered into the death that all humanity will one day enter into. But three days later, he rose from the dead. Jesus died in our place so he could rescue us. When Jesus rose on Easter Sunday, he showed that death wasn't going to win that death had been overcome, you know, that fate we all face, that last moment, that last breath, that wasn't going to have the final say. Jesus, when he rose, showed that he defeated death. Death wasn't going to be the end 
And Jesus promises that all who put their trust in him will also be raised from the dead one day. Right now, it feels like death is being broadcast on our TV screens every morning, every evening. We've got graphs that are showing the upward trend of people dying from the coronavirus. We're probably all, we probably all know someone who's connected to someone who's died from the virus. You know, in a moment like this, when death's at our doorstep, where we feel the sting of death so, so real, so close to us, Good Friday is good news because it it reminds us that death doesn't win the day, that God's acted to overcome death. In Jesus's death and resurrection, he's shown that he is the victor and he offers this gift to us. He offers the gift of life to us afresh. It's life in the world to come but it's also life here and now, a life of knowing God and being in relationship with him, a life of being forgiven for the stuff that we've done wrong, a life of being honoured, whereas we often feel ashamed. You know, right at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, some of the final words in the Bible are this, the spirit and the bride say, come. So the spirit of God and the bride, the church say, come and let anyone who hears say come let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life i wonder if you're thirsty for hope for light for meaning for purpose in this darkness i wonder if the circumstances are shaking you at the moment and causing you to cast around for Where can I find something unshakable? Where can I find a hope beyond all this death that I'm seeing? Well, Jesus is that hope. Jesus offers us that gift, that free gift of the water of life. It's a life of being known by God, knowing him in return, being loved by him and loving him and others in return. This Good Friday, let this Good Friday be a holy day for you. Let's use this Good Friday to turn our eyes again to the giver of life. Turn our eyes again to Jesus died, Jesus risen from the dead. To help us turn our eyes to God, to help us receive from him him afresh. I'm going to lead us through taking communion together. Normally we would take this when we gather together as a church on a Sunday. It's a way that we show our unity with one another, that we're united by Jesus, united in Jesus. With the current circumstances, we can't do that. And as we take this, I imagine there'll almost be a longing within you, a longing to be with the church again, a longing to be with loved ones again, a longing to see people face to face again. Communion is meant to speak of people drawn together but also people drawn to God and one with God. So I would encourage you to use this moment, use this moment to come to God afresh, to ask him to meet with you in this season, to ask him to forgive you, to ask him to wash you clean of all all the sin, all the baggage that we carry around with us in this life. But also use this moment to remind ourselves, remind our heart that we were built for relationship with others, 
You might want to use this moment to pray for people you know who are sick or isolated. Or you might want to use this moment to forgive somebody who might have wronged you. Communion is this beautiful occasion where we come and our relationships are righted and reconciled. Our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, it resets us. Before we take it, let me remind you of the story of the first communion. The night before Jesus died, he had a meal with some of his close friends. And in Matthew's gospel, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's just take a moment to still ourselves. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to bow your heads. It's just a way of cutting out the distractions that might be around us. And in the stillness, let's focus on the presence of God with us. Let's bring before him in our hearts the difficulty, the suffering we might be going through. Let's ask him to forgive us from turning away from him. But also let's turn our eyes to him afresh and ask him to restore to us the joy of being in relationship with him. Let's ask him to give us that gift of life afresh today and also to give us hope that one day we'll be raised from the dead as Jesus was. So let's just close our eyes and still ourselves for a moment. Let's share the meal that Jesus gave us. This bread is a sign of Jesus's body broken for us on the cross. Take and eat. This cup is a sign of Jesus's blood shed for us on the cross. Take the cup and drink. To end, um, let's pray together. There'll be some words that appear on your screen. I'm going to say the first section of words and then when the words appear in bold, I'd encourage you to pray those along with me, speak them out loud. Let's pray. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, in your tender mercy, fill us with your spirit. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us. 
Jesus, bearer of our sins, have mercy on us. Jesus, redeemer of the world, give us peace. Amen. I pray that you would know God's presence with you, his peace in your heart and joy, joy that you have life with God now and life with God in the world to come. God bless you. I hope this time has been important for you. I hope the whole Easter weekend is a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you again really soon.